Welcome to Corizant Technologies, home of the Digital Executive Podcast. Welcome to the Digital Executive. Today's guest is Jesse Franklin. Jesse Franklin is Senior Vice President for the U.S. and Canada, leading all business side activities for the region. He joins Encode after a successful entrepreneurial career, where he co-founded two companies and one venture capital fund. His first company, American Efficient, was in the energy efficiency enterprise software sector. His second company, Nimble RX was an on-demand prescription delivery startup that was backed by Sequoia Capital and other top investors. Later, he co-founded Fifth Wall Retail Fund, which was a $125 million venture capital fund investing in innovative retail and direct-to-consumer companies, where he sat on the board of several firms. Well, good afternoon, Jesse. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Brian. Great to be here. Absolutely. This is awesome. Get to jump in, meet a, a new person today, but also get to hear your story, turn it around, put it on a podcast, blast it out to the entire world. And this is really what drives me. So thank you again, Jesse, for jumping on. And we're going to jump right into these questions here. Jesse, let's talk about your career in venture capital, your board member, a serial entrepreneur, and now you're the senior vice president of Encode. Could you share with our audience the secret to your career growth and what inspires you? Well, um, I wish I could tell you there was a secret, but it's mostly having a giant chip on my shoulder of always wanting to prove to everyone that I, you know, that, that I could do interesting things. And and more importantly, frankly, just do things that excite me and do things that I feel could have an impact in the world. So I, you know, always entrepreneurship was always in my calling and I always loved everything around it. I, you know, when I started out my career, I started actually in investing and in sales and trading, but They put me to start a new division for the company that I was at, and I just loved that experience. And then from there, by sheer luck, I met a managing director at Citi who invited me to start a business within Citigroup that offered financial services to the low-income population in the U.S. And uh, that was kind of like my first hyper-growth experience where we built a business that within two and a half, three years had 300 employees, 500,000 clients. And I absolutely fell in love with it. And um, from there, as I like to say, I got lucky enough that the admissions person at Stanford was probably drunk when they reviewed my application. And I got to go do an MBA at Stanford and met some incredible people and got further sucked into the entrepreneurship world where I then helped co-found one company that uh, it did okay. Um, wasn't a great, we sold to a private equity firm, but it didn't do necessarily great. And then I helped start another company that was an online pharmacy delivery, uh, where you know we all go to the pharmacy and hate spending two hours there, and felt like there was a better solution out there. So we started this company, Sequoia Letter Series A. The company was, was called Nimble RX. Continues to do really well. Um, and and then then by by sheer luck, I got recruited by a company called Maystrich that wanted to start a venture capital practice. So I went there and we started a a venture capital fund that was a lot of fun to create. But as the pandemic hit, I, you know, realized that maybe a, you know, commercial real estate company wasn't the best place to be while this was happening in the world. And I reconnected with an old friend uh, that I met at Stanford. His name is Ricardo, who was the founder of Encode and uh, told me what he was doing. I, you know, wrote a small angel check to him and started trying to help him however I could. And I think finally he got tired of me telling him, you know, what I could do. And he he finally invited me to join the company. And 
you know, from there, it's been a wild ride here at Encode. And I joined, we were probably around 20 employees. We hadn't raised our Series A. And last year, we raised a $25 million Series A. And then we raised a $220 million Series B. And it's, you know, it's the, the whole, my whole career has been a wild ride. But the last year and a half here at Encode has, has definitely topped it off in, in being the craziest of all. I love that story. It's really multiple stories into one. Maybe it, maybe if you write a book, it's a bunch of chapters, right? But that's exciting. And, and that's what not only do I love to hear, but the our audience loves to hear these success stories and in, in the entrepreneur journeys. So thank you. And talking about that lockdown pandemic a little bit, what was the single biggest business decision you had to make during the first year of the lockdown? And how different is your business strategy today? Well, I think, you know, it was interesting because when the pandemic started, I was I was over at Maestrich where where I was doing investments, venture capital investments on behalf of the firm. And I think the first thing that happened when the lockdown was going on, and for those who don't know, Maestrich is the third largest owner of shopping centers in the U.S., so they own very large shopping centers. And, you know, obviously it's one of the one of the businesses that got hit the hardest when the pandemic hit, people were not necessarily going to malls. So, I mean, there was great leadership from a gentleman named Tom O'Hearn and he kind of took the company and, you know, all hands on deck to figure out what was happening, what needed to happen with our centers. Um, and so from a business perspective, a lot of things happened with a matrix and, you know, obviously we're not doing a lot of investing. And within six months, I, I, I decided to make the jump to encode where, you know, we we had originally thought about a product that could leverage our technology to to provide proof of vaccination, provide proof of negative COVID tests, and a variety of different things. But at the same time, we were having so much traction with our identity product, and we were also very excited about our health product. But the reality is that you know we we made the strategic decision that we wanted to go all in on identity because we thought that long-term, the strategy would just make more sense with COVID being a more of a temporary thing. So we went all in. So we scrapped a big product that we had and we went all in on the identity side. And so that's a couple of like the transitions that I at least had to make through the, the pandemic uh, from changing businesses to changing products and changing things that I was doing within those companies. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, it's been a theme. This podcast actually started about the the time the pandemic uh, uh, hit us here in in the globe or in the U.S. wherever you are, and it was it's been a challenge. And so, hearing these stories uh, certainly resonates with much of our audience. A lot of them entrepreneurs as well, and a lot of our guests as well. So, thank you. And Jesse, you're obviously leveraging some new and emerging technologies within your tech stack, right? Is there anything you might be able to share with us today? Yeah, I think the the, the best way to understand our tech stack and, and how we how it kind of how it came into being doing identities probably understand the story of Encode, which at least as an entrepreneur, I I think it's it's a fun story. But you know, Ricardo started the company back in 2015 and the idea was very different. The idea was actually a private photo sharing network where you would download this app to your phone and it would automatically run facial recognition on all of the pictures on your phone and automatically share them with the pictures, with the people in the picture. So Brian, if you and I went to college together and you downloaded this app, 
all of a sudden one day I would get, you know, 40 pictures from college that I'd never seen. And it was a super cool experience. Now, when you think about the technical implications of doing that, it's actually quite challenging because the first thing you need to do is you need to be very, very accurate because you don't want to be sending the wrong pictures to the wrong people, right? Like you could break up families in, in that way. And so we had to develop a very, very good facial recognition engine. And we went out and we looked at all the facial recognition engines that were out there in the world, and none of them really achieved what we needed them to. So, you know, we didn't set out to build a facial recognition engine, but we had to because nothing else, nothing out there satisfied our needs. Now, the second part about the technical challenge of this, if you think about it, is you have to be able to run facial recognition on the edge. It mean, That means on the phone itself, using the computing power of the phone, because you cannot send 10,000 pictures to the server to run the facial recognition on the server because that would take forever. So by default, we became an edge computing company. And we were running machine learning models on facial recognition on your phone before you know most people or anyone else was running machine learning on your phone to the point that when we submitted the app to the app store, we got a call from Tim Cook's office inviting us to participate on a keynote for Apple because they wanted to display the machine learning capabilities that the iPhone had, right? Think about back in 16, 17, you know, that this was, this was fairly, fairly new. Uh, unfortunately, about a week before they, they changed from machine learning to augmented reality. So we didn't get to go on stage, but we did get to, you know, to go with Apple and, and they've introduced us to a few of their partners and we have a wonderful relationship with them. But what ended up happening was, there's this organization called NIST, which is the National Institute for Standards and Technology. And it's part of the US Department of Commerce. And one of the things that they do is they rank technologies, a bunch of different technologies, they rank them. And we wanted to see how good our facial recognition engine was. So we submitted our technology to NIST to get ranked. And as it turned out, it turned out to be one of the best facial recognition engines in the world when it came to accuracy and speed. And from there, a couple of enterprise clients you know, that were running RFPs for these things would go to NIST, see the list and started calling us, inviting us to participate in these RFPs. And from there, it was the aha moment that we wanted to, we said, okay, well, there's clearly something in identity. The fact that we can run edge computing and computational photography is, is differentiated in this space. No one is really doing it in this way. And we kind of shifted the company and decided to go all in an identity and, and help large enterprise companies figure out who's at the other end of digital transactions. And we, we made that pivot. So, you know, as they say, it's better to be, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And we, we happen to be very lucky and because we were good at something else, but we stumbled into identity and we developed this enterprise platform uh, that has over 50 different modules with all of our proprietary tech fully automated that has just resonated incredibly well in the world of enterprise and kind of like took us off on this rocket ship. But uh, I'd love to tell you we were smart enough to have the vision from day one, but uh, we had a little bit of luck along the way. That's amazing. And we all know, yeah, there was a little bit of luck there, but you know, 99 at times out of a hundred, it is pretty much that 99% effort. So um, the luck does help, but uh, thank you again for sharing that. And I love talking about some of these emerging technologies and continued success as far as that goes on the the uh, the facial recognition side of things. So thank you. And Jesse, last question. Can you share something from your career experience that might be helpful for those looking to grow their career in tech or entrepreneurship? That's a good question. And I would say two things. 
the first one is, you know, there are a lot of people that were very good at planning out their entire careers. And from day one, they knew what they wanted to do. That was very much not the case for me. Um, I've always just worked really hard at things I found interesting and kind of pursued good people that I enjoyed working with and, and doing that. So, you know, I think that people, when they ask you to have this grandiose vision of your career, don't be scared if you don't, at least I didn't. And the second part is do think about it in terms of long-term around building blocks, right? And if you if you swing from the home run for day one, you're probably, I mean, you might hit it and that's great. And kudos to you, but don't be afraid to, you know, do a building block and learn to do one thing and continue to get better at that one thing, whether it's sales, whether it's solutions engineering, whether it's engineering itself, whether it's, you know, accounting, finance, whatever it is, but keep building upon your career and know that it's a long, long-term game. And if you're lucky, you're going to have, you're going to get a few swings at the plate and just prepare yourself for when you get your opportunity, like I did with Incode, that you're, you're, you're as best prepared as you can to, to take that swing and maximize the opportunity. So that's, that's what's worked for me. And it's been more, more, more by accident than by design, but that's, that's how it's worked out for me. Thank you. Appreciate your journey, your chapter, your book. And again, certainly will resonate with somebody here in our global audience. And again, that's, that's just amazing. Your journey, regardless if you thought you had it mapped out or someone had it mapped out better, um, we, we all want to hear your story. So thanks again, Jesse. No, thank you, Brian. And Jesse, last thing, it was a pleasure having you on today. And I look forward to speaking with you real soon. Thank you, Brian. It was a pleasure to be here. Bye for now. Bye.